Hello and welcome to part two of British Wrestling Spotlight uh, for this week. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And yeah, as I say, this is part two. It's kind of a bonus episode, isn't it, Joe? We uh, felt a bit bad because uh, last week, as we as we mentioned, we we lost the whole episode. So in our catch up session on Monday, we we missed a couple of things out. So we wanted to, to come back and uh, and pick up on those talking points. But yet, uh, since oh. we recorded, Joe, we our last episode we had World in Motion as the intro music. We were all excited. <laughs> I was ready to ask you today: Were we, were we going to use Vindaloo, or we're going to use Footballs Coming Home? Uh, but yeah, it all went a bit uh, bit wrong yesterday, didn't it? Yeah, I think if anything, we need to use Nessum Dorma because I've been listening <laughs> to that on repeat since yesterday. I think I uh, went asleep listening to it last night, just oh, thinking no. of uh, slow motion footage of epic football moments. And <laughs> yeah, girlfriend came in earlier while I was listening to it and didn't understand why I was listening to classical music. But uh, yeah, she didn't get the Italian ninety reference, so oh. more the fool her. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's uh, I I feel I still feel devastated now. Um, <laughs> it's a hard one to take, isn't it? It's kind of like uh, I think that going in as everyone keeps saying it's a repeated point, but it's a true point. You would have took the semi-finals at the start, but once you get to the semis and once you get a draw like Croatia, I'm like you get you know, you're in, you're in there, you're winning 1-0 and there's not much time to go. Yeah. And then even when there was a possibility of it going to penalties at extra time, just it hurts, doesn't it? That Yeah, <sighs> we couldn't get over that that hurdle. Um, Honestly, I think uh, I, if, I just wanted to get to a final. Mm. I think that's the psychological block. We got over the first one with a penalty win and then yeah. just getting to a final. I think we'd have got battered in the final anyway, mm. but I'd have taken getting battered in a final because <laughs> we would have got to a final and that alone. Winning a semi-final to me would have been like winning a final because yeah. it's never happened in my lifetime. And yeah, I was uh, yeah, but tw- tw- twenty-five minutes to go, thinking we're twenty-five minutes away from the World Cup final here, and then like <laughs> two minutes later, Perisic pops up, and Ugh. yeah, I, I yeah, had a had a quite a drunken night last night. Let's just say so. My head's feeling very sore today, and my heart <laughs> is. Uh, been a little bit empty but at the same time you know it's been a really enjoyable tournament and I didn't expect to invest in England the way I did I think this is the most devastated I've been since Mm. Euro 96. (laughs) That's the big thing isn't it like our our friend of the show Jacko is saying that like he's never been this is the most likable an England team has been in years if if, if we didn't get anything else I mean getting to the semis good enough but the fact that the country actually we like the England manager we quite like the the players when was the last time that happened I liked Sven because I found him funny and Mm. the concept of him funny but he wasn't likable in the way Southgate's likable Terry Venables if you ask me was probably the last truly likable England manager, if anyone was, and that was what he had, and he had people on side except for the FA, obviously. <laughs> and I, th- I think Southgate's, uh, yeah, I think I hope, he, well, he's obviously going to carry on, but you could see him becoming like a uh, English Yogi Low sort of figure who just endures for years and years and years and understands that international setup and that grassroots setup and how to filter players through the different systems and different streams of. Uh, the country's different age uh, setups as well, but yeah, I, I'm I'm it's gonna take a while to get over this one. I, I've never thought I would, I never thought I could feel a, feel this way about football ever again. But mm. yeah, when I stumbled in at midnight last night, <laughs> uh, 
doing a bit of a well, drunken jig while listening to Ness and Dorma. I was quite happy, actually, because I had it on a playlist. And then uh, Flight of the Valkyries came on afterwards. So I got go, me all melancholic going. thinking about WrestleMania 30 as well <laughs> and Daniel Bryan. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's solemn days. Um, I mean, regular listeners to the show will notice that uh, JP is not here. He's, he's off on his holidays. If he was, he'd be... We'd be talking maybe about, a little bit about Republic of Ireland as well. Uh, I don't know how he feels about uh, England going out. I think he pretends not to, but I think he definitely... Uh... Nah, he was way more into this than he, he let on. We were talking about it the other day, and his sons are obvious. He's he's English. His yeah. dad's Irish. His sons are English. You can't they say that, though. You'll lose it. credit. You'll lose credit with Irish wrestling Twitter. You've got to be careful. <laughs> Oh, they... <laughs> we love Super you, JP. JP. He's like the Andy Townsend of uh, <laughs> Irish-British wrestling Twitter. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, as pe- like I say, as people may have noticed, JP's not here. This is more of a, it's a casual, let's say, bonus episode today. Um, have you been up to much today at all, Joe, to kind of get yourself going again? Um... <laughs> I've been nursing a hangover and paying for <laughs> a chicken burger at like 11pm last night from a kebab van. So, oh, yeah, man. it's just been a very uh, laid back day where I sat down and watched... Um, BBC highlights of last night's game, and then I watched the punditry from ITV last night, which I got to say was exceptional. Roy you just Keane. wanted some Roy Keane, didn't you? Oh yeah, Roy Keane and right on top four. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> to be honest, I kind of drama sorrows today by watching some Impact. Um, <laughs> off, 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 Mike. We've uh, we've had some chats of our Impact, haven't we, Joe? I've been trying to sell you on it. Uh, I've been watching it the last few weeks. I, there's something about I don't know. Every couple of years, I kind of this is another. This links into JP as well. He's in the same boat. Put myself back through the punishment again, but genuinely, Joe, it's good. It put me in a good mood. I was ready for this podcast. Uh... You've got they've got an L. LAX clubhouse where Conan and Eddie Kingston are, are former gangsters and the, oh the different God. sides of LAX going against each other. Homicides back with Hernandez. Uh, oh, really? It's kind of, it's such a weird show. It's like there's all these kind of adult type segments i mean there's also eddie dennis thinking that tommy dream is uh, sleeping with his wife um and just wants to murder him for that reason and it's kind of all of that i suppose more hardcore fan kind of stuff going on and that but they're still trying to please indy they've still got lots of throwback there's like a they waste 20 minutes every every week showing you highlights of old flashback uh, impact segments uh some of the women's stuff is rough minutes. as well yeah well but maybe that's an exaggeration but they show a full match every time um you know from the archives which and they're just trying to eat up tv time it's like this weird battle between them trying to do something kind of niche and cool and kind of loot your underground-esque but then also the reality is they haven't got much money so they kind of have to you know <sighs> fill in some segments uh, with some with some poor stuff they'll even use like footages of uh, local indie groups which they did a couple of weeks ago it's it's hard to, to say I'd, I'd say watch a whole episode but if you keep your finger on that skip button um, and your mileage may vary on some of those wrestlers, especially. I mean, they're building very much around Sammy Callahan, which that's yeah. a yeah, that's a hot and cold wrestler for most yeah, people. Not for me, uh, but he's good. I mean, that's another part of it. I think the fact that they they're stuck, they haven't got much money, they're having to you know invest in in different wrestlers, and they're using a Sammy Callahan. And being honest, I've never been a fan, but he's running with the ball as well. Him and OVE fighting with Pentagon and uh, Phoenix and Rich Swan having these killer matches. It's it's unlike any impact you've ever seen. I mean, have a soldier on it in any way there, Joe? 
you know what to some extent i think you have which jp's been trying to do for the last <laughs> year or so and he kept going yeah the amount of times you spoke to me about that dan lambert um segment with oh, colby God. covington last year ah <laughs> uh, and I, I wasn't budget on that but i gotta say you've done a better job than jp has i think the lax lax gang stuff a lot like sounds like it might be worth it yeah. and also there's a load of guys that i was a massive fan of sort of 10 12 years ago <laughs> so, so homicide yeah, should may, not maybe be wrestling. i'll dip in if i've got some time off work now and i'm not doing a lot for until i go on holiday so may, maybe is it still on is it five star or like spike yeah over here you can get it there. on the uh, demand five app because it's within that family and they put it up quite quickly so you can watch it but there's always the the other means to watch it as well but then we got g1 starting on saturday true, as well true. so have you done your pickums for that and I, I haven't i haven't even thought about that should i do it you should it's it's fun i mean you've only got a couple of hours but it's it's worthwhile oh, it makes it interesting. yeah some of the i think the post one the deadline's midnight to us time tonight i don't know what voices deadline is or i think love the graps are giving you right to the, de- the day of everyone's getting in on the action so you've got options i like the sound of the post ones the, the eggshells book was the prize as well wasn't it ah yeah jp took that on holiday with him didn't he Oh, did he really? I think he had a collection of books he was trying to decide. I think he had John Lister's book in there, the Brian Pillman book in there. He's an intellectual RJP. He likes to uh, <laughs> sit by the pool and catch up on his wrestling books. Only wrestling. Only wrestling. <laughs> He's got a good collection of books. I bought him Tony Adams' second autobiography, signed by Tony Adams last year for his birthday. So nice. I'm, I'm glad he hasn't taken that one with him, to be honest. <laughs> You're a good friend, Joe. <laughs> never mind the fact that we've been burying him for 10 minutes straight just because he's not here but yeah <laughs> i do this every day at work so you know he's used to it by now uh normal enough uh, i suppose we should uh, we should get going then like i say we're just gonna pick up uh casually on a couple of segments we didn't manage to get to on the the spotlight episode proper we're gonna talk a little bit of progress and catch up on chapter 72 and some of the highlights from that uh and also talk a, a little bit about the other things uh, going on in progress and then at the end of the show uh, i'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a promotion near and dear to my heart grand pro wrestling gpw have their 15 year anniversary uh, show coming up and we have uh, andy ogden of graps and claps from the uh, indycorner.com coming on to just uh, give a few words and uh, and do a little bit of a, a preview of that show so nice and casual joe uh, late here on a thursday night but uh, let's get into it we never get uh, wound up when we talk progress so this should be <laughs> nice and nice and and easy going uh progress of course uh, we talked at our last show it was a storm in a key cu- in a teacup got them got everyone all wound up about the fact that they were going to put the the world cup final on in the the middle of their show if uh, england made it all came to nothing didn't it they don't re- really care about the uh, the people that want to watch uh, fr- france and uh, croatia now they don't seem to be that arsed Oh, I, they still, I still think they've made a massive error just booking a show on the day of the World Cup final. Yeah. Like, because we'd go know, with me otherwise. Well, this venue's easy for me to get to as well. It's like an hour and a half drive. It's really simple. Um, I'd have definitely considered it. The card looks okay, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to miss the World Cup final, no matter who's in it. The, uh, you know what? I've got to say, I am kind of gutted that. Obviously, I'm going England in the final, but I'm also glad that this hasn't put progress into a situation because I think that it exposed some uh, particular fans for exactly what they are and who they are and kind of how selfish they are, but how they can kind of use 
an excuse based around train tickets to back up a narrow-minded perspective mm. while not thinking about the public at large and how sport and football can unite the country and people at large at times like this. It was just about their train tickets ultimately. But by thinking about other people's train tickets and claiming they were thinking about other people's train tickets, they were trying to show what an inclusive, good sort of person <laughs> they might be. So, yeah, good one. Showed up as selfish, egotistical, once again, really. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it'd be very it'd be very inclusive though to encourage in our progress the fact that it's not England we should be celebrating all nations shouldn't we so they should uh, should keep that uh, keep the World Cup final on Sunday yes, I mean we joke we're, we're basically talking about uh, one person in particular there were other people friends of the show who had genuine gripes I thought people who aren't football fans whatsoever uh but then again yeah you did have uh, certain individuals uh trying to make it about themselves as always and and turn it into to something it wasn't so it's a little bit sad that yeah that melton pot has, uh, has come to nothing now and uh briley being spiky on twitter and glenn joseph putting out fires is uh has kind of all been for now yeah, it is a little bit of a shame, I've got to say. <laughs> like like I was saying, I'd love to have seen the whole situation where, I don't know, maybe it makes me sound like a, a bit of a bastard, but you've got lots of people getting really into the football and thinking, oh, I can watch this amongst fans and we can have a great time in this massive venue together watching the football and we can watch it with the wrestlers as well. This is quite a cool moment. This is something memorable. But instead... No, not at all. But I'd love to have been there and sort of seen people sat there looking all miserable and uh, all arsy about being <laughs> made to watch what could have potentially been one of the biggest moments in the history of this country. No exaggeration there, but hey, whatever. It's not going <laughs> to happen, is it? No, it didn't happen in the end. So, yeah, that show's going on on Sunday. We might talk about that a little bit towards the end. But, yeah, we wanted to talk uh, Chapter 72 just because we haven't had the chance to talk about uh, that show and the big match and the big uh, thing coming out of it, Jordan Devlin and Will Ospreay, the match that hopefully uh, anyone listening to this show uh, at this point has seen because you need to see it. Um, a Giffa's dream, the type of match that it, even just the, the, the short exchange Changes. Uh, it's the type of thing I could imagine myself in the early 2000s downloading on Kazar. The just a, a quick clip of a few seconds of the match is just it, two wrestlers who I've never seen have such chemistry uh, so quickly. Um, as far as the match goes, I know I'm sure the match was uh, was laid out meticulously, but some of the stuff they were they were pulling out was otherworldly. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it was a great match for both men. And Jordan Devlin's uh, certainly turned the corner with the with the progress fans finally. Oh yeah, thank God this this match was a different level. I got to say, like there was almost like a a Marty Osprey-esque vibe about this one in terms of the, in terms of the chemistry. But obviously, Marty and Devlin are very different wrestlers in terms of the way they wrestle and the style. It felt like Devlin was much more into doing as crazy stuff as Osprey was here, if anything. Mm. Whereas in the Marty-Osprey matches, Marty stuff is obviously a lot more based around reversals and a bit more grounded, say, uh, rather than sort of high risk. And I thought Devlin, this was possibly the best Jordan Devlin match I've ever seen. And I've seen him have some great matches in the last year or so. Um, I was losing my mind for this at points. That Stormbreaker that he turns into a Code Red, that that might be the spot of the year. (laughs) I dare you to find me something that's going to make me go crazy in that spot. I think I rewound it about five times (laughs) and just kept watching that one bit, like like one after the other. It was... 
it was mind blowing, truly mind blowing. Like, if Devlin wasn't under his uh, WWE UK contract, I'd be hoping New Japan would be on the phone to the bloke because, man, what an addition he would be to a best of the Super Juniors next year. He would slot right in. Think about him working with Takahashi. Think about him working with Dragon Lee. Like, there's so much potential if <laughs> he wasn't under yeah. WWE UK contract. Kind of... Instead, we could see him work with Mustafa Ali. <laughs> you kind of want him to lead that that side of the revolution, don't you? OTT have stayed out of the WWE UK stuff. It appears so. He's the fa- I mean, he is the face of OTT, isn't he? And it's just a a real shame that we're not going to get him to you know, like say, get involved maybe with New Japan with that OTT relationship and just be a flagship guy outside of the WWE environment because it kind of goes to what we were talking about with NXT UK and our our show earlier in the week and we were saying you know fresh matches are are difficult uh, when you've got a you know close-knit roster like NXT's TV show is going to have NXT UK and this I mean perfect example isn't it Jordan Devlin and Will Ospreay is there a fresher match you could possibly put that man in this is so much more appetizing isn't it than than seeing him uh, in that system Oh man, just the list of New Japan, the smallest of New Japan opponents I just listed off there was impressive in itself. But you think about, I don't know, Kushida as well, mm. Marty Skrull we could potentially face, Liger. Like, there's so many guys there that you'd absolutely love to see him against. Sho and Yo as well, potentially. Um, there's when I think about that WWE UK roster, mm. there's no one who stands out to me, and I think, oh, I can't wait to see Jordan Devlin face that guy like he's gonna have good matches with whoever he comes up against but a stunning match like this <laughs> where it's not been over agented like some of the moments in this match that mm. that spanish fly that they did off the top rope and yes. then they re- they landed on their feet ah oh, that was that was that again was another moment i just kept running back and watching again i can't remember ever seeing that before and i thought i'd seen everything <laughs> up until this point but that yeah. was different level it's the type of stuff you expect when you get two wrestlers who've worked together for years, kind of, and these two were just straight away at that chemistry. It just made me want to want to see them again. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But did you? I mean, that if it was kind of a, there was a weird reaction to the match in some ways. In that, okay, one, it's weird that Devil and Super over all of a sudden in progress. Uh, he's kind of it's great that he's turned that corner since Super Strong Style Weekend. Uh, a little bit sad that OTT were building this match and they, they didn't get to do it first, but but oh well. But OTT fans uh, would would probably have been you know pulling the hair out at some of the reactions. Jordan Devlin got in the UK, still gets in some of his Fight Club Pro appearances, definitely got in in other Progress appearances. Uh, we probably shouldn't be, you know, too mad that okay, the Progress fans are, are late here and Progress themselves are late in getting uh, into Devlin, but at least it's happened now. At least they're, they're finally uh, seeing what what we all see. Oh, absolutely. It's a shame it did take so long because he had that booking in February last year, didn't he? Mm. Uh, when he faced Travis Banks, had a great match with him. That's and then right, yeah. just was never on another card, which just didn't make any sense when you consider just how good he got over the course of that year. It's a weird one as well because you get all the Finn Balor association and obviously we spoke about on NXT UK, it was Finn Balor this, Finn Balor that. 
but when Devlin's work in the last year or so has been significantly better than Finn Balor's. Now, I know you can make the argument that he's he gets more opportunities to have great matches than Finn Balor does and their position and what they're supposed to do in their respective company is completely different. But at this point, I think the guy's peaking. Mm. Um, I think he's at the absolute peak of his powers right now. And it's good to see him being uh, actually used by progress in the way that he should be used. If they use him properly, I really think he's got the potential to be a proper main eventer in progress. I can't see that he's a guy that WWE are going to be bringing to the US anytime soon. Whereas mm. I think with um, British Strong Style, you've got that fear that they could pull him at any moment and move him to the US full time. Whereas I just can't see that happening with Devlin. So he's someone that progress really could go with if they're quite careful about it. I really hope that he's on that Wembley card. Mm. I know we've not got Osprey on the Wembley card now. Yeah, but he's someone that, that could go in to a high profile match and I think would work within that setting. Yeah. Another point I was going to make about Devlin as well. Think about the range of opponents he's had great matches with in the last year as well. You can put him in there with anyone and he can adapt his style and work completely different types of matches. Think about those two Zack Sabre Jr. matches from a couple of months ago that he had. Mm. Then think about this. Like, There's a world of difference in the style, the approach, the pacing of the match both equally as good as one another mm. and then you've got this as well like he is on an absolute tear at the moment yeah there's no one better really at the moment in the world and yeah you're right those those Zack Sabre Jr. matches I remember the time we kind of I think we differed on which we preferred because they were both so different from each other the yeah, yeah. OTT maybe being a little bit more I don't know story based maybe that's the word yeah, um, yeah. and, and I think the crowd being, were better during the OTT match as well yeah but then the other just being a really good solid pure sports build kind of wrestling match um, I think as far as an in-ring wrestler I think he's the, he's the whole package um I think it's just, I'm not sure. I mean, he's de- he's doing better in uh, after NXT UK tape, and he definitely came across better. Uh, maybe the, you know, as you said before, maybe they toned down some of the Finn Balor references, at least on commentary, um, and gave him a chance. Uh, but still, yeah, this is kind of, I think, the scenario he, he's better suited to. I don't, I'd never say it's a curse that he's got that Finn Balor association that's clearly got him through the door with NXT UK, but I don't know. He's someone who I might have liked to have seen just out on the the indies a, a little bit longer even if yeah i guess he's he's had a long enough career um as it is maybe you wouldn't thank us for for saying that um i mean another <laughs> thing you're uh you just you touched on there joe you were talking about uh coming up to wembley and uh, i mean another thing that i really liked about this match was that i mean as much as i hate you know that jimmy havoc throwing into chairs trope osprey did it in this match and i thought ah, it, it, <laughs> why do we have to do this in every big match in progress but then also in the same match he did the rainmaker but it felt like more of an acid rainmaker maybe i'm reading too much into it but there was very much a jimmy havoc was clearly on his mind and along with him getting booed because devlin is so over in progress at the moment um there was a nice little layer of storytelling there with osprey and a nice little after the match as well after being booed killing some students and uh, and getting chased off by paul robinson um there's plenty to, to criticize about the progress booking um it's not exactly uh, it's not their fault that they're, they're not going to be able to do the osprey havoc match at wembley obviously new japan have uh, come calling for, for Will Ospreay uh, but I do like the, the little touches that they're putting in I was a little bit uh, nonplussed uh, after that awesome uh, opening promo for them when they had a super strong style weekend but they're putting in some some little touches in the build I think 
Yeah, I think, you know what, this feud is the feud that will always get me in progress. It got me into progress. Um, it's one of my favourite feuds ever. I think it's arguably the best feud in British wrestling history. Um, so to do it, you know, at Wembley on the big stage to go back to it, and there's still layers to that story mm. to be told, and the layers they found within the story I think are great. I think when you looked at Osprey like a style, looked at Jimmy Havoc, he looked pathetic. <laughs> um, yeah. You kind of knew all you needed to know about the last couple of years of these guys' careers. Will Osprey has gone from you know strength to strength. Jimmy Havoc I think has peaked at this point mm. in time, and his progress title run was his peak. And really, since he's come back to progress. Mm. I think he just all he wants to do is have a beer, have a bit of a wrestle, and have another beer after the ball. Have more than one beer. Yeah. And like I said before, it feels to me sometimes like he's two steps away from doing a drunk Scott Hall gimmick when you see him walking around at shows, just yeah. having a beer, taking sips of people's beer and his entrance and all the rest of it. <laughs> seems like a bit of the fire's gone, whereas this feud seems to have actually ignited that fire again, thankfully. Definitely. I mean, that's exactly what I was about to say, because, yeah, there are two Jimmy Havocs. There's the Jimmy Havoc in the promo shot, who looks like a killer, and then there's the Jimmy Havoc that you actually get in ringing in a lot of places uh, in the year 2018. But I think Progress have played into that perception of Jimmy Havoc really well. I mean, on the previous chapter, uh, you had a death match with Spike Trevay, which, going in, I was just kind of going, well, why is this match happening? But now that they've put him in with Drew Parker this coming Sunday in Birmingham doing another death match, you can, I mean, maybe going straight to death matches isn't the most subtle storytelling, <laughs> but they're trying to tell a story, aren't they, that he's trying to bring back that part of himself, but he lost to Spike Trevay in somewhat controversial fashion with getting uh, hit over the head with a steel chair. Um, and, you know, he's likely to, to lose to Drew Parker going forwards as well. It does feel like, okay, maybe subtle's the wrong word, but they're telling a story there with that, that, that in having him do these death matches. Um, I wonder whether the fact that his mates, uh, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Haskins, messed around in the opening match of that aforementioned show in jumpsuits doing uh, an NWA oh. Fuck the Police babyface entrance. Um, hopefully, maybe I'm giving him too much credit here, Joe. You can tell me if you think, but maybe, maybe that could play into it as well. If he snaps at some point and kills both of them uh, i was on will cooling's podcast then he kind of put that theory to me that'd be a a perfect way wouldn't it to maybe get havoc focused and whenever this osprey match is happening you, you've then got a bit of heat going into it and maybe a bit of a, a belief that the the old jimmy havoc is here I think that's a great idea, and I hope Glenn Joseph's listening. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if he hasn't come up with the idea already, maybe throws that idea in. I think Credit that's to great... Will for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's a great idea, to be honest with you. Um, I, the, the, sorry, the Haskins and Flash thing with the jumpsuits just seemed like such a silly move. Like, mm. Flash Morgan Webster's had this, like, weird kind of here, not there turn that... It still doesn't feel like it's properly kind of decided upon. And then Haskins is meant to be a heel. And then they are messing around after that 1978 show, which <laughs> is meant to be non-canon, but feature canon. And then we've got canon. And in canon, they're like coming out to fuck the police and in jumpsuits. It's like, what is going on here? Like, it doesn't make any mm. sense to me. One 
one thing I do hope we see is if with the Paul Robinson angle here, and obviously where Paul Robinson comes into the story with Jimmy Havoc as well. Mm. And I did think when Jimmy Havoc came back to progress, they never went back to the Paul Robinson feud in the way that I was hoping they would. Um, I still think that it should have been Havoc confronting Robinson at Wembley when Robinson did the, um, sorry, not Wembley, Brixton when he did the open challenge. I thought that would have been an amazing moment. Um, and I'm sort of hoping they maybe do like an Osprey Havoc against, uh, sorry, Osprey and Robinson, Swords of Essex reunion against Havoc and Haskins or Havoc and Webster in some way here as well and the mm. lead into it. Um, that could be the, the payoff, couldn't it? I could definitely see that. We're just booking the whole territory here, Joe. It's, it's simple work, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, isn't it, when you haven't got to think about 70 million shows that uh, yeah. Progress have got to think about. Yeah, and including that American tour as well. But mm. I think one of the things I'll end up doing from here in is because I do want to see this Havoc Osprey match. Every ballroom show <laughs> where tickets go on sale, I'm just going to buy a ticket. Um, <laughs> and if it doesn't happen, I'll sell the tickets because you can always sell them on tickets very easily. That's and if true. it happens... I'll I'll go along unless they do it in Manchester and I'm screwed. So oh well, <laughs> I'll put you up, Joe, if they uh, if they do it in Manchester. Top, man. Hopefully, have a PCW show beforehand as well. <laughs> so they, I mean, there you go. We're, we're accused of being uh, very. We're, we're the two problematic ones, me and you, Joe. We haven't got JP here to be nice guy, but <laughs> we're the ones that are always giving progress grief, and we're openly saying we're going to give them our our money when whenever they put that this match together. So if that's not a sign of interest, then I don't know what is. And they'll get my, my money for Wembley as well. Don't worry about that. <laughs> same, same. Uh, moving on from that stuff then, um, back to Chapter 72. Uh, a bit of a tangent there. Um, a couple of other notes from the show. I mean, we don't need to go into it too much. There was the British Strong Style and, uh, and Besties match. Uh, Lovers Bindless has made its return to progress, makes a big difference to the, the presentation of British Strong Style. Um, this was kind of a match where Bessies in the World and Josh Alexander were, were going through their big spots and British Strong Style were going through their big spots, a lot of which seemed to be comedy. I'm not sure what Tyler Bate was doing in this match with his one boot off and weird headbutt offense. <laughs> um, that's the, the difference, isn't it, with British Strong Style in a progress setting? You're almost there an act where I think I prefer them in NXT UK because they're not going to go around doing Triple H's spots uh, in his territory, are they? Whereas when you've got them <laughs> in an indie set and the temptation is always to maybe go down that comedy route, it was, uh, it, it was one of those matches where it was maybe a bit too long, partly comedy, partly super indie moves, but fun nonetheless. I mean, did you get a kick out of uh, the British Strong Style's entrance? And speaking of NXT UK, teasing uh, Kyle O'Reilly and, and Adam Cole and the lads and, uh, and doing their entrance and coming out with the NXT belts, which was uh, another controversial thing, considering in real time they'd already lost it on NXT U- uh, TV. Yeah. Oh, i, I got to say, the entrance and the posing at the beginning, I did find incredibly entertaining mm-hmm. um i've been quite critical of kind of recent comedy in progress uh, <laughs> as you know um and as the listeners probably know but tread seven gets me every time that man <laughs> is genuinely hilarious and can find humor in anything um watching them do the undisputed era stuff 
and then there was a great moment where the crowd started doing Undisputed Heroes music as well. <laughs> that that did kind of get me, I've got to say. Like, it's weird because it almost feels like these guys have done everything they can do in progress at this point, but they're still around due to the WWE deal. They're a welcome addition to every show. Everyone loves seeing them. I do think they actually give more to the cards than Havoc and Haskins do at this point, and their mainstays have kind of done everything as well. Um, and it almost feels like this was kind of filler comedy if anything mm. from the three guys who are the biggest stars in the promotion at this point in time um look i get i get why they would do this they can get away with doing less than what they have to do say in an nxt uk setting or when they're over in the us in nxt sure. and you could tell that they kind of bought into that here and they knew that they were going to be over with shtick. They knew that they were going to be over with torts. Think of the Bullet Club example. Think of how little Marty Skrull started doing about a year ago True. in his matches. It almost feels like when they're doing their indie spots now, they've taken on that Marty Skrull approach of just saying, you know what, I can just do so much shtick. Yeah. And as a result of doing shtick, I'm going to sell a lot of merch because lots of fans like shtick. Yeah. It feels like they're in that kind of zone when they're in progress, which... Mm is fine um it's not necessarily something that i'm gonna watch every yeah. month um but live i suppose it is quite good fun it's the same thing in fight club pro isn't it it's a big selling point of, of going to those shows for people they get to see those guys let their hair down but i mean when they when they are serious i mean i'll defend them a little bit the fact that you know tyler Bate and uh, the super strong style tournaments got serious again and was the title yeah, yeah. that we remember and and pete dunn he'll turn it on when he has to only i mean the other big thing about this uh, six man a lot of it was angle alert time and, and set up after the match for for pete dunn trying to cut a promo and uh, getting cut off by uh, christian and michael Jacoby. you're expecting i mean him and um Ilya are gonna have a killer match at wembley and that will be serious pete dunn so i suppose as long as we get him in in those moments uh, it's all okay isn't it yeah, and I can't see him and Ilya being any less than great. <laughs> imagine imagine Ilya trying to do a comedy match. I can't see that happening. Oh, I think he'd be ashamed of himself. <laughs> I think it would be like Roy Keane trying to do comedy. He does a lot of <laughs> unintentional comedy, but hey. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, like, you, you are right. I think Tyler Bate in Super Strong Star was great. I think when you get these guys as a unit in progress there is possibly going to be that slant towards that comedy and, you know, what can we get away with here, mm. which is which is fine. I don't mind it. Um, but at the same time, you, Tyler Bates still feels like if he does go out as a singler at some point in progress, there is still something to kind of prove because I suppose he's not had the same singles run that, say, Pete Dunne has had in progress. Mm. So there is still something there with Tyler. It just feels like Pete has kind of done everything he can possibly do in progress to me at this point, though. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why they go in this Ilya route, isn't it? Because I was looking at it going, well, why Why is the WXW champion coming in and not challenging the Progress champion? To me, that weighs the most sense, and they've gone with Pete Dunne instead, but it gives them something fresh, doesn't it? And these angles with, with CMJ, he's very... he's. I mean, Paul Heyman's the obvious comparison people make because, I mean, obviously he's got a past as a manager, and he does come across that way in the in-ring segments. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it was... Maybe not the decision I would have made, but it's made for, uh, I don't know, a smart pair up and, and some good angles going in. It's uh, every time CMJ turns up now or when Ilya turned up in, in Manchester as a surprise. They've, they've been big moments and it does feel like a, a match that people are ready for. Yeah, CMJ has been, Christian Michael Jacoby has been absolutely awesome 
I loved his promo. I loved his little slap on Pete Dunne. I loved his oh, little chicken br- shit run. It was yes. great. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, he, he's great, isn't he? He's just great at playing that character. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see him stick around in progress because I think Ilya's going to be a, a breath of fresh air, and I think he would be as well, keeping round as a as a Paul Heyman like thing, just constantly bringing in guys from WXW. Um, oh, that would, be good. that would be, be good. That would be good. <laughs> absolute Andy at the ballroom oh yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of myself as well now you mentioned the WXW thing they've got mm-hmm. those um, shows at WXW coming up at the end of August haven't they That's right, which yeah. is kind of the month getting into Wembley I wonder if they've got anything planned for those shows oh, to sure they do. promote the feud as well so those could be those that could give those shows because mm. often the progress on tour shows feel like kind of filler throwaway shows if anything um mm. you think about how bad those new orleans shows were i don't know anyone who watched the australia shows earlier this year do you are they even up yet i know they were taking ages <sighs> i think maybe they went up i'm not even, that's how much i care to be honest we do yeah. a whole podcast where we cover a lot of progress and those shows are yeah are so old at this point so i don't think anyone could care no i'm with you but hopefully if they're going down the route of promoting the Ilya pete feud uh, those shows could have a little bit more substance as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So something to watch out for, I suppose. Definitely, yeah. There's definitely a relationship there, isn't there? I did note in the kind of went under the radar on the Observer this week. It, it mentioned that WXW have got a, a relationship with uh, WWN's um, school in America. Oh, yeah, um, there's an exchange, isn't there? That yeah, gonna... that's an interesting little dynamic, isn't it? The WXW are on... I don't know. It's hard to draw the map of who's involved with who, but involved with progress, involved with Evolve, slash WWN. Mm, I, I get the impression with the WXW that they want to keep that. They seem to me like there's that integrity there, where they want to keep that independence, and they know what a great business they have in Germany itself, and how how established they are as a touring brand. Sure. I can't see them ever being being willing to get into bed with wwe the way progress have i'd be really shocked if they did but i suppose keeping a friendly relationship with wwe at the same time might be in their best interests. i suppose it's whether wwe tries to make a play for germany potentially at some point does nxt uk become nxt europe at some point and that's where the pressure on WXW may ramp up a little mm. bit, potentially. Something to watch out for, definitely. Definitely. Uh, shame that man wanted that in the mid-2000s, didn't he? I remember, to, yeah. WWE Europe, hey, maybe we'll end up Was there. Was that after he uh, tried to buy Pride as well? <laughs> I think so, and all the rumours about him or his dad buying Newcastle. It was a <sighs> high time for Shane McMahon and his uh, alleged crazy investments. I think and everyone just... Mike Ashley to Shane McMahon. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say to you, as well one thing we haven't mentioned is the actual opponents of british strong style in this match um, <laughs> not to get not to go amiss with them what did you make of the uh of the besties in the world and josh alexander i mean yeah <laughs> does that sum it up does that i mean I don't think all of their stuff works um they've got like nutty some of the offense there was like a, a double ddt that kind of turned into a pile driver they've got very very indie offense and some of it yeah. some of the moves for the Z is creative but gets to a point where it's like i mean you've you got guys stacked up on guys and then you power drive them or or ddt in one of them it's it doesn't always uh i don't know it, it doesn't always land but 
they got over in progress. The entrance got over in progress as well. We'll get as soon back. as I had Savage Garden, I thought to myself, right, that's going to work. You know, <laughs> that's going to work. I think one of the things as well to me it highlighted was how low I am on the American Indies at the moment. I don't mm. think the American Indies are a patch on what we're doing in Europe. And just it's look at often bowling. set again. Just look at Bowler in the lineup. How many Europeans and Mexicans exactly. and Japanese wrestlers are in there? And that bowler lineup does look like kind of mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm genuinely excited for that. Um, but it's mostly because of some of the weird guys, like say Jody Fleisch. I'm massively excited to see him oh, there yeah. as an example. But when you've got um, the match kind of being bookended by British Strong Style and then CMJ, <laughs> you kind of think to yourself, right, UK, Germany. Like they're just on top of the US right now in terms of indie talent. Like when I try to watch, I've watched little bits of AAW at times. It's quite good fun. PWG's obviously a super indie, but say like Evolve, I really struggle to watch it. Yeah, I've been the same for years with Evolve. Though I think that's a, I think a lot of that's the presentation. There, it's just bland. Um, It's just cheap, isn't it? It is, yeah. Especially when you compare it to the production value, you know, of a progress. Um, I know RevPro is not the highest production value at times, but even that stacks up better than... I mean, I'm the same as you. I'll watch Evolve once a year when it's WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I can't remember that. I hear good things about AEW, but I don't watch it. PWG, you mentioned before, you're excited about Bola. Are either of us any ever actually going to get around to those shows by the time they come out on DVD? I know that's an old argument that people are, are sick of hearing about, but it does kill my interest. Um, and plus the fact that yeah, the lineup's incredible, uh, but it's it's I don't know, it, it doesn't really say much for uh, American indie wrestling either, does it? No, because it's uh, it's kind of like the super indie, like we said, and also mm. I think with PWG. I find with the cards sometimes not a lot of variety, um, mm. and I find I'm watching... Killer match after killer match after yeah. five-star match. Yeah, I get so burnt out very quickly yeah. uh, on Good those shows. Mm, yeah, I find it hard. I mean, uh, I bet you if you were there live, I mean, uh, that I think that would make all the difference in the world. Beers are flowing, and, and you bang into it. But yeah, it does make it for an exhausting uh, experience trying to watch it um, on VOD. No, I think you're completely right. And it's like, I know we mentioned Rev Pro there, but like the cockpit show I went to on Sunday was a card that was full of variety up and down the card. Mm. And it kept me involved because you had comedy matches with like eight men in. You had a women's match. You had several tag matches as well to break up the card that were wrestled in different styles. Whereas... Often when you watch it, when I watch a PWG show, it just feels like, well, these guys are trying to steal the show. Now these guys are trying to steal the show, and it feels like there's not a lot of um, direction to the matches, yeah. if that makes sense. Definitely, and you take away, I mean, a criticism we had about progress in the past. Now they've got the music back, and we're made up with it. But for me, entrances are a big part of wrestling, and when you take those PWG shows, are hard enough to watch those. As spoiled as it sounds, four or five star matches over and over again. But when they're just coming at you thick and fast and you don't even get that breather of getting to see, you know, guys, a lot of character work comes through the entrance, doesn't it? You don't get yeah, to see absolutely. that. It's not 
broken up. I know they've tried with a couple of, and we're off on a massive tangent now, but they've tried to go, you know, they do, there'll be like maybe one ongoing story at a time that they'll try and do with a, a Chuck Taylor or a, I don't even, is Walter the champion at the moment? He is, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he um, is. And that's, I mean, that's your finger on the pulse, isn't it? That's the one thing you can say for them. We'll criticise them for maybe not using much US talent and that's probably a sign of the talent pool at the moment, but also You've got to praise them for having the finger on the pulse and getting. They seem to get all the cool guys in, all the people that you know that the hardcores are raving about to to put these these shows together. So they've they've still got that selling point, even if it's uh, maybe not for me. Yeah, Super Dragon as the booker keeps uh, good company, <laughs> and that good company I know recommends him uh, good talent, which is why they often appear to be kind of ahead of the curve at times, which is Fair fine by me definitely i don't know why we ended up there joe but, no, no, uh, I, but... <laughs> back to progress this is what happens without jp come home soon uh, <laughs> up next we had uh, on this progress show uh, we won't go into this in too much detail travis banks uh, came, he came out and asked to have chuck mambo who'd won the progress world cup uh, right there and then a nice sneaky way of not having your world champion you avoid maybe a little bit of criticism of your world champion not being in the main event uh, by doing that and uh, coming out early uh, it was a match it was chuck mambo has he's got his detractors on this show speaking of jp he did look good super strong style weekend um Obviously, they think highly enough to put him over for the Progress World Cup, one of the million ways that apparently he can get a, a Progress title shot at this point. Despite all that, though, watching this match, didn't buy it for a second. Uh, there's just no way you're watching this match that you would ever consider uh, Mambo is going to be able to, to do anything here. There's no way he's ever going to win. And I think it does always hurt. And I think the other thing that hurts about it, and maybe goes to a wider question about travis banks uh, title reign but they did a lot of a lot of schmozzy stuff in this match they did a lot of i mean he told the story with tk he's mates with mambo they do that podcast together so he didn't want to attack him but oh. then he did get involved he pulled the ref out mambo got a visual pin on this you know shit house heel in travis banks I mean, Banks did get a win eventually, clean with a Kiwi Crusher. Well, as clean as it gets after all that interference. But I'm kind of watching it going, I mean, it's Chuck Mambo. Do we really need... I mean, I know Travis Banks has been played down to the point where he's Kurt Angle in the 2001. He's, yeah, a, he's the top healthy. guy, but he's a yeah. comedy, comedy top guy. He's not a heel that people take seriously, even if we all find him very entertaining. For me, this is just a step too far. He needs to be killing Chuck Mambo, and that wasn't what we got here. I mean, what do you make of that? And what do you make of, I mean, Travis Banks uh, booking it? Is a, it's all over the show, really. Um, I'm surprised when, he's still the champ. It reminds me of when Kurt Angle recruited Trish Stratus as his manager and uh, <laughs> had a title match with Bubba Ray Dudley on SmackDown, which he won with a small package with his hand on the ropes. <laughs> I, I remember at the time thinking, this is strange, but mm. not really knowing the ins and outs of how wrestling worked. And yeah, sort of a reminder of that. I, I got to say, like, Mambo had a great match with Zach. I think he maybe gets a little bit of a hard time from JP at times. I'll say <laughs> that as well. But in this position, come on. Like, we all know. Travis Banks, I think, is really good at doing this character. Credit where credit's due. But at the same time, this was not the direction he should have taken as a champion. I don't like this direction at all. 
I also think that this direction is no good for TK Cooper. Um, He is. No, he's in the Atlas division now, Joe. He's a big lad. Oh my god! Just, I just, I, I just think he's someone who, whose stock has fallen dramatically. We're just talking about Bowler. A year ago, he was in Bowler. A year ago, he was about to face the Young Bucks with Travis Banks over Bowler weekend. (laughs) Now he's facing Rob Lynch in Birmingham on the day of the World Cup final <laughs> in a division he shouldn't even be in. He's like he's hosting a show with Chuck Mambo called like Escaping the Midcard. Yeah. Like how much care is this guy taking over his character? Like doing a show called Escaping the Midcard, you position yourself as a midcarder. Mm. Like is he ju- like is he just unaware of that? That's yeah. what I sort of question with him like has he not thought about how that reflects on him and his perception as a wrestler to outsiders and people would dismiss it but it's stuff like that that does genuinely matter and does genuinely make a difference because he's not putting himself across like someone who should be escaping the mid card by doing a show like that yes yeah. it's, it's another one as well like i know someone spoke to him at a riptide show recently and said what's going on with your booking in progress and he said there's a long-term plan i fucking hope there is because <laughs> i can't see any sort of long-term plan at the moment other no. than ah oh, roman reigns inside jokes ha 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 lol not funny like was- get on with it it was the same. I mean, we, we keep referring back to the previous chapter that we never got a chance to talk about. And that was the one with the, the silly tag match with the convulted title shot stuff where if Walter or Jack Sex Smith lost, uh, they couldn't face Travis Banks for the title again. And they snuck in based on Twitter nonsense really back and forth with tk cooper and the progress account that if tk manages to get a pin he gets an atlas title shot and i remember at the time thinking this is that's ridiculous you just kind of the storyline's already convulted and you're just making a joke out of it but they've let it become reality as well and it just says everything about who tk cooper is in progress uh at the moment it's just the big difference for that tag match was remember you know i, I bring it up a lot because it's one of my most memorable live experiences at progress the yeah. ring camp uh, tag with, with Travis and TK last year, the very start of the year. And it was TK Cooper as a lower car guy, taking a beating from Walter, continually fighting back. And that was the moment I think we all started to believe in TK Cooper. Flash yeah. forward, you know, 18 months or so, obviously time off for injuries and a aborted kind of three-way feud with Chris Brooks and, and Travis Banks. And he's kind of in the same role, but nowhere near as effective and essentially a, a comedy guy at this point. Yeah, progress have kind of killed him. And I don't think he's done himself any favours of how he's letting himself be betrayed and how he's betrayed himself as well. Um, it's a real shame because he's a real talent and I think he's got something, but... I don't know where he's going to go, to be honest with you. I do think, and I don't understand why, I don't understand, like, why is Dahlia not with him anymore? That act and those Mm. two together was something truly special. I don't think he's anywhere near as effective as a character without her there. But also when they're chicken shits, does it not make more sense to have that manager there as well? Yeah. It's weird, though, because they're chicken shits in a different way. Because last year, Travis Banks was still an ass kicker when they were in the South Pacific Power Trip. And TK Cooper was seen as someone who had a lot of fight and a lot of, yeah. a lot of guts. A, grew a, as a personality. Yeah, the straight man, didn't you? Not a, quite a comedy guy in TK, but... Travis was very much the straight man, wasn't he? Whereas now the two two fools, really. Absolutely. And you saw TK transition from, you know, pro-Joe sort of act with Dahlia into being this guy who could fight and stand up for himself. 
whereas now he's just embraced full goofiness. He feels like Dolph Ziggler, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like Dolph Ziggler, when he was on his way up with AJ Lee a couple of years ago and Big E, and then he won that money in the bank, and it was this great moment. And then a year or so later, it was kind of like, oh, Dolph Ziggler, really? <laughs> and it's kind of been like that from here on in, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has, yeah. Um, I mean, Dolph Ziggler's managed to uh, reset himself a little bit uh, by riding the coattails of, uh, of Drew Galloway. Maybe maybe TK can, can I've turn I've not it seen around, any but, of that. Yeah, it, it, it's been all right. Uh, I think it's it's the most interesting thing he's done in years, but it's mainly thankful. He, he should be thankful to the guys attached to. Um, I don't know if uh, if TK has, a, has an escape route at the moment, because, yeah, yeah, both him and... Again, and we should probably say, shouldn't we, Travis Banks as a wrestler, we both enjoy watching... And a wrestler oh, absolutely. who, in isolation, and the reason we made the Kurt Angle example before, like Kurt Angle in the mid-2000s, you can look at it and go, I appreciate what he's doing. This is very funny. He's very good. Still shouldn't be doing it as the world champion. No, I'm completely with you. And he's gone from fighting world champion to Kurt Angle, whereas, mm. weirdly, Kurt Angle went from <laughs> Kurt Angle to fighting world champion eventually, <laughs> didn't he? So he's- kind of done it in reverse yeah and the difference is as well we get to see him with travis we get to see him be more of that fighting style in nxt uk it's kind of weird that i mean this is the problem with uh, interloping universes but he's the babyface travis banks in nxt uk while they still reference him as progress champion um, and he's much better presenter there i'll give them that um i don't i don't often say very nice things about nxt uk but i'll give them their presentation of travis banks is spot on Whereas the, the the company that made him into a world champion have kind of lost their way with him. Um, but yeah, he's got a title match coming up with Tyler Bate at the the Birmingham show, an alleged match with uh, with Zach Gibson at Wembley. Sorry, Zach uh, Zach Saber Junior at Wembley, which which may not be happening, depending on the the same New Japan issue as Osprey. Um, I could see him losing the belt sometime soon, and then what do you do with him? Uh, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I wonder if he'll lose the belt to Tyler Bate on a Sunday, potentially. Cause if, I'd do it. Yeah, and if they need to get out of that Zack Sabre Jr. match at Wembley as well, mm. it's a, it's an option to some extent. Uh, I don't know where you go with the mm. Wembley title match after that, but I kind of feel like this Travis Banks title reign has kind of run its course now, if mm. anything. Definitely. It seems as well, ever since that Matt, second Matt Riddle match, it's kind of been that downward trajectory. But then... That makes me think as well. You got this TK Cooper Rob Lynch Atlas title match. Where the hell is Matt Riddle? Where mm. is that bloke? Mm. He's got missing, isn't he? MIA, and instead, like you say, the Atlas title. I mean, we didn't bother talking about the Atlas title match on this match because it was on this show because it was Michael Dante against Doug Williams, and oh. on the previous show it was Michael Dante against Damian Corbin. Dante, very much the uh, the Ginetti, um as I saw Arnold <laughs> Furious describe him as in a Voices of Wrestling review. Uh, Ginetti was much better than Michael Dante. I was a big <laughs> Ginetti fan. <laughs> he's just he's kind of the forgotten man, and yeah, great, he's back in progress. Uh, yeah, that Atlas division is clearly, clearly struggling. Um, again, if anything wasn't a sign of it, it's the fact that TK Cooper's in there. So it is a real mystery. Uh, where, where is uh, Matt, old Matt Riddle? Well, perhaps that's a sign of just dead wood. TK Cooper's kind of dead at the moment, isn't he, with the current gimmicks of throwing <laughs> the joke joke division that is the Atlas division. But I think Riddle was last but brought over it by progress for mm. that Travis Banks match. Then he was on those New Orleans shows, and he's mm. not been over here for progress since. Like, no. 
it just weird. seems strange considering he was such a mainstay. He's so popular with the fan base mm. and he always produced in progress. And then when that Atlas division is desperately in need of, you know, an injection of something, mm. they haven't turned to the man who kind of built the Atlas division from sort of the ground up. So who knows who knows indeed well speaking of the atlas division the other big match i wanted to speak about is uh chris ridgeway and mark davis mark davis picking up the another one of the many title shots that you can get in progress winning the natural progression series part of me was why can't yeah winning eight ways in sheffield (sighs) with a bunch of jobbers and all the rest of it apparently uh but i mean the reason i link it to atlas division is because i kind of look and go well maybe he'll go for the atlas title and you know mix things up but I don't know, maybe he'll freshen that division up, but then again, maybe, yeah, it is so weak that maybe he should stay away from it. Uh, what did you make of it? I mean, Davis winning this tournament, he went to the, the final with, with Ridgeway. I think Ridgeway was very much the the favourite for the vast majority of people going in. Maybe they, they thought that it would be a, a smart idea to, to switch it round. Um, Ridgeway is someone who I sometimes worry about. Maybe the, the novelty can, can wear off with a character like that, the hard as fuck shtick kind of walks alive for me is sometimes mm-hmm. being a little bit silly he's very much about the in-ring isn't he there's no bells and whistles to it um he's someone who people constantly talk about criminally being underused and breaking out over this year but i don't know i mean just just share my skepticism on i wonder if the more you see him maybe a little bit less specially gets maybe that went into the, the decision here yeah, I, I like Ridgeway. I think he's got something about him, but I think he's got a little bit of a way to go yet. I've seen him in several companies, and he's been presented well in every company I've seen him in, especially mm. good in Riptide, I thought. I thought they use him and Damon Moser as a unit really effectively with the Spike Trevay uh, faction. Um, and I think it helps him character-wise as well a little bit because they've given him some real direction with the character That's and uh, where they're going with that faction. Um, I think obviously in progress he is that kind of hard as fuck or whatever it is um he refers to it as and i've got to say when i've seen him in shorter matches i've i've been quite impressed intense hard hitting but this was something slightly different he's in a main event here and i'd not seen him in a main event on a major card before um i thought that there were really good moments in this match there were really nice exchanges what I didn't like about the match was the layout of the match. I thought the layout of the match was actually quite poor. I thought they threw various spots in different places where uh, little things weren't followed up on. So, for example, there's that massive Mark Davis suplex into a bunch of chairs. <laughs> Which he and misses. And then Ridgeway's up about a minute later, and it came quite near the start of the match. And they go and wrestle for probably another... 10-15 minutes after that spot yeah. and you're thinking why is that placed at that point in, in this match and then they're competing against each other sort of as equals st- with strikes I and mean, you're looking at the size difference as well and there were little things from like a psychological standpoint I think could have been a little bit better um, mm. in this match and it sort of exposed that Ridgeway maybe isn't ready to be working in you know long, slightly longer main events where the expectation is that little bit heightened potentially um but like i said there were good moments in the match and ridgeway's strengths i think are those strike exchanges um and the intensity of like his submission game as well um what did you make of the match i mean i i think i'm a bit stronger than you on the match um i think i get your point about the size difference but 
I, I kind of enjoyed the dynamic of, you know, there was the moment at the start of the match with Ridgeway hitting kicks and Davis hitting chops. And I like that because it was each man trying to hit their better weapon. And I liked, I mean, I can see the point about the size there, but there were moments where Davis was, Ridgeway was constantly trying to grab chokes and Davis was powering out. So there was an element yeah, of yeah, uh, true, psychology true. there. I mean, I'll give you, I'll agree with you, the middle section, it did have some rough spots. Like you mentioned, that weird uh, stuff going on with the chairs on the outside and Ridgeway. elbow drop. Do you remember that oh, one as well? But he kind of, perched himself on the sides of the ring post it was like he gave up halfway through yeah and sort of did a weird jump and then it didn't sort of connect that and was no a one, bit no one really reacted did they either it was like i mean ridgeway yeah some of his offense can, can be missed. I mean, maybe that's why i'm a bit being a bit more negative than the most would be please uh don't send your hate mail but i sometimes i think as well i mean going to Something I hadn't really thought about, but going to your size point, there was a his power moves in this match kind of looked cool that he was powering Davis, but then there was a point where he nearly dropped him on his head and did a legit pile driver. So maybe it wasn't yeah. the, the smartest point. Um, I felt like I think where we maybe we disagree as well. I mean, I saw your tweet on the night about this about uh, maybe some of the crowd reaction and the chance towards the end of the match. I'm interested on your take with on that because I I kind of felt like it. The match, although maybe it shouldn't have been a main event, or or maybe it was charitable making it a main event, to me, although I have criticism about the middle of the match, it did feel like when they got to the kickouts, it had a big match feel for me, but uh, I don't know if you'd agree. Um, I can't disagree, but I don't think I was invested in the match myself by mm. that point in it. And I think one of the things I find sometimes with progress crowds is there is an obligation to be into a match and I don't feel that there's the same organic reactions or investment in matches that there previously might have been in progress. Um, I think the Osprey-Devlin match had organic reactions. I think the um, response British Strong Style got, got that organic reaction. I think the crowd thought that they were meant to be into this because it was promoted as a big match because it was a main event for a trophy and the culmination of, you know, this tournament that's kind of gone on for a while. So I think they felt, in my opinion, obliged to be reacting at points of the match. And I found some of the chants and reactions felt a bit half-assed at different points of it. I don't know if that's just my, you know, opinionated take and mm. maybe I'm not as open-minded as some <laughs> fans you could argue when it comes to you know chanting and cheering at a show um, not saying I'm not open-minded to different types of wrestling but just the chance and you know how I would react if I was there personally yeah. and uh, yeah I just didn't feel like the crowd was genuinely into this I thought they wanted to be into it and they sort of felt like they should be into it. So they decided to start reacting rather than reacting because what they were doing in the ring was making them react. Does that make sense? No, I get what you're saying. Um, it just, yeah, it, it doesn't land for you, does it? Does you as, as authentic? Um, almost no. like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I would, I, I kind of think that this would happen anywhere, though. I think you put. This is a, a tournament supposedly for young guys, although Mark Davis isn't that young. When you put them in the main event, I think in any promotion, the fans are going to 
maybe you're right in saying they almost feel like they've got to be up for it and got to get in for it and not have the you know the guys shit the bed um and want to cheer because it's young guys who are in a big match in a position that they're not normally in i could see it happening in a fight club pro i could see it happen but we probably saw it happen in a fight club pro we i think the mark davis amari match <laughs> that's exactly that. that's a good example yeah of the same kind of thing maybe part of it as well joe is i mean to play devil's advocate we don't go anymore do we we don't go to the no, the camden no. shows um i wonder whether we'd feel differently if we were in the building um and have a different uh, reaction to, to some of the chants i think that's a I think, I mean, unless it's the Ogden starting a really creative chant, I think chanting in, in wrestling, it can feel a little bit, you know, forced at times. So I can, I can sympathize with that point of view. But I would say, uh, for me, I'm not saying this was better than Osprey Devlin. I'm not even saying it was in the same star range, but I was, I was probably as invested in this match. They, really? they did grab me, yeah, watching it. I, I felt there was a genuine... As much, okay, we can criticise the chance, but to me, when Davis won, it did feel like a, a genuine pop. And I know it's for a dopey trophy, um, and I know it's a, another of one million title shots that are going round. But yeah, there's something about it. Maybe it was the maybe I'm easily pleased with with big kickouts and you know good near falls and uh, and that kind of thing at the end of the match. But they did pull me in, and I, I did get invested, and I was I was into it uh, when Davis went over. So um, I mean, yeah, maybe I'd. Uh, differ somewhat in that regard yeah i just don't know i think what i was reminded of when watching the match um i've never been a davy richards fan uh, <laughs> and i just kept thinking of those really bad davy richards made events of ring of honor between sure. like 2010 and 12 whenever i dip back into ring of honor and i'd see like i remember like davy richards elgin i don't know if you remember that from that wrestlemania weekend <laughs> the one that didn't melt to give that five stars i'm oh, sure he did hated that match yeah he did and i remember me and my brother watching that match and just being confused as to what what was so good about it and i remember it was the same kind of crux you think about it, it's davy richards and then a bigger guy michael elgin it's kind of the same dynamic here isn't it mm. <laughs> um, yes it is with davis and ridgeway and may- maybe in my subconscious somewhere <laughs> uh, bad feelings about that one came rushing back to me i don't know um <laughs> Yeah, it, it's. I think it was just the the clash of styles, the way they melded, and just that layout of the match just just wasn't for me. Mm. And I like Davis, and I like Ridgeway. You know, what? I really like Davis. I think Davis is great. He's someone that I hope they go back to Walter with at some yeah. point because well, there's a story to tell there. A story that could have been told at this point as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, definitely. the same. Maybe that ties into how we introduce this. Maybe that saying that yeah if walter was still atlas champion it'd make more sense but maybe if walter, walter ends up world champion that's the direction davis goes and they haven't just forgotten about that but i'm just thinking to say wembley um aussie opener in this thunder bastard oh, tag, yeah, yeah. convoluted thing aren't they <laughs> they're not trying they're not just trying to fill shows joe that's no 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 it all makes sense <sighs> it, it's a tournament to lead to your place and by watch it kind of sinks in doesn't it when you're watching the matches that okay yeah we're getting some decent tag matches out of it but the prize at the end of here is the order that they go out and <laughs> under- who could care i mean it, they're so close to having a really cool little concept there and maybe they're being a bit cheeky and trying to fill shows but you'd forgive them wouldn't you if there was a better prize at the end of it and it wasn't yeah. something as lame as that like you're going to get probably decent matches because most of the teams in the tournament are good teams who you know are going to give you a good match on each show. True. But at the same time, it's so ov- overly convoluted; it's hard to keep up with. 
and I'm sure Callum Leslie will constantly bang on about shows and do his research and what happened on what show. But at the same time, progress long form tournaments are generally poor, if you ask me. Think of how bad the Atlas tournament was. Think of how confusing that natural female natural progression series was last year. <laughs> They're not good at doing this. They're great at doing one night tournaments or like weekend tournaments, like a super strong style or that progress world cup recently. Mm. They do a great job of that. Um, but these long form tournaments told over multiple shows are just a bit, I don't know. They get kind of lost in the ether, if you ask me. And, that all the matches become forgetful. You never remember who beat who. Look back at that Atlas uh, tournament and look at some of the wrestlers in there. Like <laughs> there's stuff that I've just blanked out. I think Easton Reese was in there at one point, wasn't he? God, he was, wasn't he? Who did he face? <laughs> it was on. A, I think it was a Manchester show. Um, I can't. No, I, I think it was Ballroom. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe it, it was Rampage. Oh, I'd have to look back at it again. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> shouting it at the radio right now, aren't they? At the phone, but <laughs> Callum Leslie probably. <laughs> he, he definitely listens. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I think that that's. I mean, they've got one of those. Uh, they've got kind of those matches coming up, and they fill up cards, so that makes sense from that point of view. But yeah, I think it's uh, it, it does make for a confusing uh, thing to follow. But I mean, that's a that's a negative. I, I would say that there's there's definitely positives in the progress booking at the moment. I don't know if you'd agree, but I'm. I mean, I'm okay. Havoc and Osprey, a little bit all over the place right now. We don't know where it's going, but I'm definitely interested in it. Um, we've talked throughout yeah, the show same. about things going on in the Birmingham show, but another one, the Mark Andrews and, and Eddie Dennis. Eddie Dennis is returning to the ring on that. On on that show um they've done some great work with eddie dennis it feels like doesn't it that they're saving now uh, eddie dennis and mark andrews for for wembley i'm into that i'm into pete dunn and Ilya. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's things to be positive about isn't there i think that wembley still looks like a big show it still looks good even though we're going to lose the osprey havoc match and pod, probably lose zach it's a shame we're probably going to lose the best two wrestlers from the card that's never good no, but at the same time, you know, Pete Dunn, Ilya, Pete Dunn's been great. Ilya Dragunov's been great. Um, there's still great stuff going on there. The long-term storytelling of Andrews, Dennis, has been like exceptional as well, let's be honest there. Um, so there are still some good things sort of bubbling under, definitely. And they built to these big matches at this show well. I do feel sorry for them regarding the Osprey and probably Zach, I imagine. Um you know, falling off the card for Wembley, that's that is unfortunate. But yeah, there is some there is still some stuff to get, you know, kind of interested in. I do think sometimes it's like the US cards as well. I looked at the talent they're taking over to the US and I did sort of think, okay, British Strong Style, Havoc and Haskins are the only people on every show, I think, from what I remember seeing. Maybe Tony Storm is as well. Hmm. And you look at that and you kind of think, Havoc and Haskins, I'm kind of bored with <laughs> and British Strong Style are kind of like we said earlier in the comfort zone in progress at the moment so i don't know if those shows are going to be shows to get massively excited about definitely yeah i think yeah i think i think it's tempered expectation it's okay there are certain things i'm in i'm into and there's certain stories but at the same time they've got to fill shows haven't they between now and wembley um and that's where sometimes things fall apart but yeah i'll, I'll say i'm mildly positive on progress at the moment but uh, maybe I'm just uh, I'm still high from the the Osprey Devlin match. Maybe that's why I'm uh, giving them uh, so much good. No, not the Ridgeway Davis match. That too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, anything else on uh, on progress before we move on? 
No, I can't think of anything off, off the top of my head. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the show on Sunday. And, uh, you know, if you're a football fan, enjoy the World Cup final as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so that wraps us up on a bit of a, a catch-up on progress. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about quickly uh, on this show, um, as I mentioned, Andy Ogden's going to be uh, joining us in a moment. We're going to have a special segment from him to preview the uh, Grand Pro Wrestling uh, 15th anniversary show. Not a promotion that particularly gets a, a lot of play in hardcore circles, uh, but a promotion definitely uh, near and dear to to me. Um, uh, Andy uh, will fill you in on the, the matches going forward for that but 15 years of a promotion uh it's impressive in british wrestling isn't it to kind of get to that That's point amazing absolutely yeah. amazing well it's kind of like i was watching i know not to bring it back to tna this has been a show <laughs> of tangents but <laughs> they're talking about slammiversary uh coming up for their 16 year anniversary so it's not uh, not far from that um but yeah grand pro wrestling used to be called garage pro wrestling i've mentioned it on this podcast before i did used to train with them hence why i do come from a, a bit of a place of, of bias when it comes to that company i was at the five-year anniversary show and i was at the 10-year anniversary show i tried on the five-year anniversary show no that was just after i quit i was never getting on that card anyway (laughs) uh it's funny on the uh the 10-year anniversary show our mate uh, gary aka jiggy walker was the uh the booker at the time and i've been writing uh that blog that i did about uh, my very short time wrestling for gp blog that i recommend everyone listens to Oh, thank you very much. Listens to reads. <laughs> BensonRichardD.wordpress.com. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that, that around the 10-year anniversary show, I just finished writing that. And the main story in that was that I got thrown out of a rumble in 11 seconds. Um, but it definitely wasn't 11 seconds. It was much shorter. And on the 10-year anniversary show, they had a gimmick battle royal with all with a lot of old wrestlers in. They had, like, stars of the future in there. I tried to politic my way in, Joe, but it just didn't happen. Uh, I, was, I was like, you know, the blog's massive. Come on, guys. Get me in. Uh, uh, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, so no gear of a time. Uh, it was around somewhere. Uh, I may have got into a bit of fighting shape in that, in the hope that it was going to happen. <laughs> but never did, Joe. Never did. Maybe I'll make my comeback uh, when I turn forty. I'll uh, I'll get a bit of a midlife crisis going. Um, but you yeah, I've like been current Jericho gimmick or something. <laughs> like. That would work. That would work with my gut kind of hanging, being held in by my uh, high waisted trunks. I think that would work. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, let, let's know what me. I mean, the, the GP. I started going to the shows in 2006 and they kind of they're a promotion that I think as Andy will attest to as well they do stories and for me in the mid 2000s you know what local indie shows were you going to that were any good Um, and GPW have always walked a line between telling those stories and having big characters and having for less of a better you know good solid indie in-ring wrestling at a time you know in the mid-2000s when you didn't always get that in that kind of promotion um and it kind of i think that's why they've had that longevity i think because they they kind of uh, keep their their local fan base you get a lot of retaining crowds you get a lot of locals uh, um they've had people who've, who've gone from attending their shows as as literal toddlers who are now working on their shows that's how long they've been around um as a that's promotion <laughs> yeah uh, that, that's just the i think rebby ruby sky lucy lucy sky that's her name um she appeared on one of the shows recently and i'm sure she was a toddler in the crowd when i was going to the shows but it's just kind of it's a weird kind of memphisy 
area Wigan where it's still real to to some of the crowds, but they tell great stories. They had great feuds over the times. Uh, Heresy and Bubblegum was a really memorable one for me. And even in the early days as well, as well as telling those stories and having those characters, they bring in indie names like Chris Hero and Claudio Cassignoli. Uh, now Cesaro uh, went through the GPW doors as well. Um, and I kind of always walked that line of, of doing both things and and appeasing both people and i think that's probably uh, a secret to to why they've been uh, around uh, so long uh, can you think of any other promotions that kind of uh, are similar around you john no <laughs> <laughs> not at all like it, it's real testament isn't it to, mm. you know what they've been able to do to keep that kind of consistent stronghold in that one area as well because like mm. Down south, I can sort of think of you've well, you've had all the reincarnations of IPW for many years now, oh, and obviously the split into Rev Pro, but it wasn't the kind of same thing at all. Mm. Um, and then obviously you had the FWA Academy in Portsmouth, but they did the local FWA shows, but they were very much academy-based shows with trainees. They weren't like sort of canon FWA from what I recall either. So. Off the top of my head, I really, really can't think of anywhere down <laughs> south that's done yeah. anything similar. Somehow, then, yeah, this little promotion in uh, in Wiggins uh, outlived uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our you know our bigger promotions, and yeah, it's it's people like that, isn't it? It's kind of before the boom i always track the the modern uh indie hardcore boom in the uk to obviously it's the ipw uk and rev pro connection uh when people try and pretend that you know yeah uh oh, up until a couple of years ago there were, it was all just family shows and it was all dixon no <laughs> there were companies like gpw ipw were around future shock were around pcw were a big one as far as you know flooders got uh something to answer for with uh starting to pull in the the adult crowd as uh, as well as one pw uh there's a history of british wrestling isn't there and not uh not everyone always follows it but yeah i just wanted to yeah just give it a shout out before uh, andy does go through the card i'm going to be there on on saturday as i always am it's on saturday night at uh, the rose club in hendley used to be known as the monaco ballroom it's always a cheap night i think it's like eight nine pound for tickets i think andy's gonna, gonna go awesome. exactly you, you don't get that very often and it's not really gone up in price over the years plus as andy will it will tell everyone about you can get a nice cheap pint in the area as well um it's a it's a good area to travel to the rest is it like an show. old northern soul venue or something um yeah i believe so yeah i know right. it, it's basically a like a ballroom i used to in the mid-2000s i'd describe it as i mean there's probably it's been overtaken by the nightclub type venues now but i always thought of it as one of the the better venues uh in british wrestling and it's it's only down the other good thing is it's down the road from a from a tesco and one of my other favorite i've noticed on twitter people sharing their the best memories of gpw stories and there was one storyline where martin kirby and ashton smith who were wrestling on the show this saturday uh, had a match where the loser wasn't allowed to shop in the hindley tesco anymore uh, it's one of the most heated feuds gpw have done did uh, gary but that oh you know he was involved of course he was <laughs> <laughs> there's been some yeah there's been a lot of stuff like that with uh different stuff uh, with stalker wrestlers and a wrestler by the name of flood and flooder sorry uh, no 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 yeah flood not flooder not the uh not the right. PCW, right. <laughs> promoter there's been a lot of weird stuff but a lot of great stuff as well over the years they were the first company i saw do a big uh, crazy cruiser eight tournament in the uk they did a, a cibernetico uh shikara style before uh anyone really even attempted doing that kind of thing and i had great 
you know, big angles. A lot of stuff, uh, you know, Memphis-inspired, it would be fair to say, in the early years, and stuff inspired by... There was a big uh, Damon Lee and Sin being the heel faction, which uh, they had a a big riot angle, which might have been uh, inspired by Ring of Honor and might have been inspired by uh, DDP refusing to join the NWO, but... (laughs) I was going to say, did they have their Lawler-Dundee feud at all? (laughs) There's definitely been some uh, some influence there. No, absolutely. Um, they even there was a point where they did a, a story where they had uh, they had uh, Dick Feelgood's uh, a wrestler in real life, a doctor, um, and they had uh, the, the, one of the trainees uh, called Kev Noir who looked very much like him. So they started running him as an imposter Dick, like uh, WCW did with Sting in the it, both in the mid two thousands and in the early nineties with Barry Windham dressed up as Sting, and then the, it turned out that I think there was either there was Dick Feelgood, Dick Feel Bad, and Dick Feel Worse. <laughs> um, and there were all these multiple decks and then the, the promoter of gpw will always tell you johnny brannigan that around that time they uh they sold a couple of dvds to a to a mysterious address in stanford connecticut and then wouldn't wow. you know it a couple of weeks later um uh, we had uh edge uh and the undertaker i think was the match and we had uh, was it zach Ryder and um yeah the well, edgeheads yeah the edgeheads uh coming out and uh and being uh impersonators to edge bit of a coincidence there maybe there's a, a mm. bit of influence there i don't know uh but yeah they've told loads of great great stories over the years did a great feud with the uh the old uh xwa which was the which was fwa north um in morkham um which was a a really heated feud um that really took off as well so people in up in the northwest still uh will be aware of gpw but yeah just a just a note uh, i'll be there on saturday uh, as will andy and i'd uh i'd certainly uh, recommend people uh, come along Love to be there, but unfortunately I can't be. Uh, oh well, we'll get you down there uh, at some point. We'll do that weekend, Joe. We'll do some, uh, maybe some GPW. Get you back to PCW. Get oh, you in well the uh, the fighting spirit pool. There's all kinds going up in the northwest. Yeah, it will be up again at some point. That's for sure. G- <laughs> g- give us some time. Hopefully over the summer as well as stuff's going on. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> awesome. Well, on that point, then, like I say, that's a bit of an introduction to GPW. So now we're going to leave you with the soothing tones of uh, of Andy Ogden of Graps and Claps with his preview of all the matches coming up this weekend at GPW's 15 year anniversary. Bye for now. Go on, Andy. <laughs> Hello, this is Andy from Graps and Claps, here to bring you a preview of the GPW 15th anniversary show taking place in Hindley this weekend. Self-titled by myself as the Biggin near Wigan. Um, what we're going to do in this preview is go through the matches taking place on the evening, and also any places to visit in Hindley, and also places to avoid in Hindley, which are, there are a few. So, GPW, I've been going to this promotion for just over two years now, um, off the recommendation of um, a friend of mine, uh, Ben Corrigan. You might know him off Twitter as Brit Away Days. It was mainly f- through reading his results on Twitter and thinking, Hindley, that's only like half an hour on half an hour away on the train. Why don't I visit there? So, 
from the first time I visited two years ago to now it's been an enjoyable ride and it's an excellent place to go to if you like your storylines good British wrestling cheap beer what more do you want um, so let's get down to business of this coming Saturday's matches First off, uh, we uh, will go through the main event, which is for the GPW heavyweight title, with the champion Dylan Roberts, who's held the belt uh, for well over two years. So basically, since I've been going, he won the belt and held on it ever since. Um, he's going up against Joy A's, who's made a name for himself on the Northwest scene recently, as more of a singles wrestler than. A tag wrestler, what he has been known for in the past with partners such as Danny Hope. Now, this match has um, come due to Joy Hayes winning a number one contenders match uh, a couple of months ago, which he was due to cash in at the last show, I think it was. Uh, but due to Dylan Roberts' manager, uh, once, twice, three times in Alan Tasker, um, who um, come out on the microphone and pulled his charge, Dylan, out. Um, Joey was unable to cash in his title shot against Dylan. But um, on this coming Saturday, you will be able to... Um, Hopefully, uh, for the GPW faithful, uh, rest that belt away from Dylan. Um, next up um, on the bill is Sam Gradwell, who you might know from WWE UK. And has been one of the shining lights of the underground scene, despite him not getting many bookings elsewhere. But if you come to GPW on Saturday, you will see why he's been the talk of Hindley Town. He's faced such luminaries as uh, Pete Dunn, uh, Flash Morgan Webster and Sexy Kev along the way. And, but recently he has been having troubles with uh, CJ Banks who Gradwell refused to face at the last show after a promo saying that CJ wasn't good enough for him. Um, so he didn't end up facing CJ Banks and instead faced uh, Steve Binman in a um, close contest, but uh, Gradwell retained the belt on that occasion. This time, though, he's been forced to face a mystery international opponent. Um, speculation is rife who it is. Um, from the clues that have been given online, it's someone who's um, been going for 10 years internationally around the UK, Europe, I'm at a good guess, um, putting on my detective head, I think it might be Doug Williams, but uh, we'll have to find out this Saturday who Mr Gradwell will be facing, but uh, I'm certain for one thing, that probably match of the night um, contender if Gradwell's involved. Um, next match we're looking at is the Fast Track Six Way, which I guess will be opening the uh, show. Usually this is a fast track four-way where um, whoever wins the match gets to cash in a title opportunity on the evening. Um, so in this special six-way match, uh, we've got first two contenders, uh, Steve Binman and Jet Fashion of the Midnight Bin Collection. Now over the last couple of months, these two have had a bit of a 
bit of a fracas um, after losing the tag team titles and subsequently losing again in a tag team gauntlet. So it'd be um, interesting to see how these two coexist or maybe um, have another tiff while they are in the ring. Um, next person is Danny Ope, who has only just returned to GPW. Um, firstly, in the tag team gauntlet uh, with his own Milanfield connection tag team partner Jiggy Walker and latterly at the last show he was against Joy Hayes in probably what's, what, what was the uh, match of the night that evening um, next up to face them is Sonna Derson who set the scene alight last year mainly in future shot with the adrenaline title uh, but in GPW, he's more of a more of a bad guy slash minion of Dylan Roberts, mainly helping him win the uh, keep the GPW heavyweight title. So it'd be good to see if Sonna Derson wins this match to break out and possibly challenge Dylan at a later date or Sam Gradwell, for instance. Uh, we then got CJ Banks, who I've just said has been having problems with Sam Gradwell. Um, so on paper he's looking the most likely winner to go on later in the evening to take up a title opportunity against Sam Gradwell and the final um, contestant in this uh, Fast Track 6 way is Big Joe now Big Joe has just come on the scene in the last year or so um, he's only like how can I describe him he's like a fight Five foot five, strong man with um, a short temper. Naturally, um, all the GPW um, fans give him all stick about his height, how far away is he? You know, all the all the seven dwarves jokes. Um, but Big Joe, I've I've been a fan of since since he's come on the scene, and you never know, he might actually um, come out with a win here, but. I guess he might come up a little bit short. Next up, um, we have a contest between Sandy Beach, who has just recently um, won a match after going on a long losing streak. Um, he's facing a mystery opponent again. Uh, now, Sandy Beach, he has only come on the scene in the last um, year or so, just like Big Joe, and is impressed in his short time. Um, but... Because of his losing streak, he's been getting the um, the wind up from the crowd of um, the Blondie hit and also an atomic kit in it as well of the Tidy's High. But I'm moving on. Sandy Beach has never won. Never won. But um, after last time's victory against Damon Lee, um, the GPW fans have got to um, find, and find another tune to sing now. But... Never fear, we've been working on it. Um, who his mystery opponent might be? Not, not much, not much of a clue here. But um, whoever it is will prove um, a tough test for Sandy. But I'm predicting Sandy will come out for the come out with a victory and um, maybe build up that Undertaker like streak. Um, next up, we've got the GPW tag team titles on the line. With the champions um, T-Bone and his mate uh, Craig Collins. Versus the Austins, LA Austin and Lana Austin. 
Now, T-Bone and Craig Collins, who recently won the tag team titles last time against Ashton Smith and Martin Kirby, mainly due to Ashton Smith and Martin Kirby not getting along, as I will explain later, uh, in, who were also on this card having a grudge match. Um, they're going up against the Austins, who last time out beat the former champions, the Bad Lads, which was uh, Mickey Barnes and Big Joe. Now, these two teams are previous, um, as in the tag team gauntlet, which T-Bone and Collins won. They defeated the Austins along the way. So, it'll be good to see if the Austins um, can actually rise to T-Bone and Collins' level and defeat them for the GPW tag team titles. Next up, um, high stakes on the line here, it's um, a streak versus career match with Isaiah Quinn who the GPW fans say he's never going to win, but he does. How wrong are we? Um, he'll be accompanied by his followers, Nick Maguire and Nate Travis, in their best Lonsdale gear from Sports Direct. And Isaiah will be taking on a rival of his over the past six months, um, Deadly Damon Lee, DDL, or the chicken from Future Shock, as um, many might know him. Now, in recent months, um, Isaiah Quinn has also, along with his followers, um, been able to kidnap a certain Matthew Brooks, who has been having such a sad time of it recently, as in PCW, um, he, he's lost his voice, lost his singing voice. And now he's been kidnapped somewhere else with a, with a bag over his head. It's certainly um, a case of the unlu unlucky house from uh, the fast show, but maybe this is the um, the evening where like, good fortune might come to Mr Brooks. Um, but I'm sadly thinking here, um, with the street versus career um, stipulation on the line, that... Um, I would go for a DDL victory here to um, send Isaiah Quinn into a fit of rage and um, see his winning streak come to an end. But we'll just have to see this coming Saturday. Uh, next and finally, um, we come to the grudge match between the former tag team champions and friends Ashton Smith and Martin Kirby. Now, these two have been feuding in a way, as, like, reluctant tag team partners. Um, they won the tag team championships about three months ago, four months ago, and only ended up defending it once, getting out, getting the victory, and then, as stated earlier, they got beat off T-Bone and Craig Collins after a bit of mis miscommunication. After the match, though... It was Martin Kirby who was uh, beaten down by Ashton Smith um, to within an inch of his life. And that has set up a big grudge match here for the 15th anniversary show. Um, these two do have previous, though, um, when the roles were reversed. Uh, if I'm right in thinking it was a, it was a loser is banned from the local Tesco's match, um, which... Sounds silly, but I heard it was um, probably one of the best matches in GPW history. Um, 
so it'd be great to see um, how this match turns out. Um, I'm hoping myself for Martin Kirby to win because he is, he is, he is a good guy. And Ashton, Ashton the baddie, boo. Um, so uh, looking down on that card, it should be an excellent night, and it's only eight pounds to get in, so it won't break the bank. Now, if you are visiting in Leon this evening, um, a few places to possibly visit um, before you get to the Monaco Ballroom and wonder where the Elegero poster has been missing. Um, good places to go, I would recommend. Um, probably the Hindley Arms or the Hair and Hounds if you're a big real ale fan like myself. And any pint in Hindley is under the price of £3.00. So you'll be hard to, hard to break the twenty pound um, twenty pound for the evening with a couple of pints and your entry fee. Um, some of the places to avoid maybe there's one near the venue which is called Jones's Bar, which looks like some mafia hangout. Um, I've not visited the place yet, but once you walk up to the door and see the sign saying one pound fifty for a pint of John Smiths, and look look for it. Like peek through the door, you expected that the um, the local hooligans will come round the corner with baseball bats and break your legs. Um, any places to go after in Hindley? There's pl- there's a plethora of um, kebab houses, or if not, you can go to the local Asda for um, the usual egg and cress on brown bread um, at one quid. But it usually shuts at um, 10 o'clock. Now, it used to shut at 11 o'clock and you'd be able to catch it before you get the final train back to Manchester. On the subject of trains, um, just take into account that you will, if you're travelling from Manchester, that you will have to travel to Wigan um, beforehand, not Hindley, due to railworks by our good friends Northern Rail. Uh, once you get to Wigan, you have to then get a 10 or 15 minute replacement bus service to the venue. But it's it's not it's not much time out of your way. So um, I hope you've enjoyed this um, preview of GPW 15th anniversary, the Biggin near Wigan. Uh, if you would like to read up on any all GPW shows that have took place, you can go and read my blog, Graps and Claps, which is now available on the IndieCorner.com. And I hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.